Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. All right. If you want to, if you want to go ahead and, and put your finger in there, um, Philippians chapter 3. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to talk about a... I don't know if this is the right word for it, but it's a controversy in the church. And I don't mean like these four walls. I mean the church in general. Um, Now, we're not immune to it. It could happen here. It affects big churches, little churches, churches over there, churches over here. It affects all churches, or certainly it could affect all churches. So what I want to get to today, and I want to to talk about that, is how we guard our hearts against it. Um, But... I wanted to touch on something else before I did that. So I think last Sunday in the, in the kind of closing remarks at the end of the service, I said something, and I was comparing, like, the difference between Becky and I. And this has come up twice this week, so here we go. Um, and, and I talked about how Becky is always looking to heaven. I recognize, and hopefully you do too, that Becky has a gift of prophetic prophecy, words, and things. Um, she has a, a prophetic gift on her life. And I could go into more details about how she would call people and ask them if they were pregnant before they knew they were pregnant, but they were pregnant. And we could talk about things like that. We could talk about the dreams she had where, where she knew things that she wasn't supposed to know, and she would ask, and people were like, well, how did you know? And you're like, well, the Lord. And we could talk about those things. But that has, has focused her attention on heaven. And like prophets of old who hear directly from heaven and have a responsibility to share that, I believe that that same gift resides on Becky and that she, she looks to heaven for a now word. You see, because I'm a little bit different in that, in that I don't receive those now words as freely as she does. I'm not gifted in that way. I'm more gifted in looking at the word, yesterday's word, what's captured in the text word, this this beautiful collection of 66 books by all these different authors that just weave together to show us just the the glory and character of the Lord and his kingdom and how he works and and what he loves and what he dislikes and and gives us all this direction and, 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 and stuff in our life. But while, while Becky is looking that way, and she, the cry of her heart is, is um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so she's always looking to heaven and trying to bring that down to earth. And that happens in words. It happens in actions and deeds. We talk about, um, um, you know, this, this period of alignment, right? So, so I don't know where the, the vision or the word or whatever came from, but, but she received that. And it's like, okay, there's a, some aligning that we need to do. There's, there's some coming together we need to do. The, the Lord shared a word with me that says we're too scattered. We need to come back together, right? And so there, there, there is a, a need to share that. And so we can all look at that and go, okay, well, okay, I haven't been engaged as I, as I have been in the past. I need to step back in. I need to re-engage in that, right? And so she's always looking to heaven to bring a word, a now word for today. And for me, I like to dig into the, the old word, and I, I like to dig into who is this character of God? 
And it excites me, just like with the shepherd and, and recognizing that the, the, the shepherd of old that walked with the sheep had these two instruments in his hand, and they were both a comfort to the sheep. And so how does our Heavenly Father today, our shepherd, what are the instruments in his hands, and do they comfort me? Right? And so, so I like to look in the words that way, and instead of looking to heaven and pulling that down, I feel like it we're, we're building blocks. And the whole goal of it gets to the culture of why we're here. It is, is, to, is to make that distance between heaven and earth less for everyone. Because, because our, our culture here is, is um, I wrote it down because I knew I would just choke and forget it. And, and I don't see it here, so I'm in trouble. Um, our, our culture is to cultivate a culture for more of God. Right? So cultivating talks about this breaking up of the ground. And we all realize that, that if, hopefully we all realize, if not, this might be new to you, you might have to examine yourself. But, you know, we get into habits, we get into our, our ways and that kind of stuff. We get comfortable in a certain routine. And breaking out of that routine gets challenging. It, but it's the cultivating, it's, it's the breaking up of that hard ground, not physically like soil, but, but what about in our hearts? It's breaking up that hard ground in our hearts that says, uh, I can't make it to prayer this week because uh, I've got the Tupperware party, right? All right, I'm probably aging myself there, but anyway. But we want to cultivate this culture for more of God. If we really believe that God is infinite, should we ever get to a place where we've got enough? No, of course not. Of course not. But we get comfortable in our routines. We get comfortable in, in what we know, and we stop striving. And that's ultimately what I want to get to today is that striving. Because the, the controversy that I want to talk about in the church is complacency. And there's a, another, another um, preacher that I once heard. It says, complacency kills. Because as soon as you get complacent, you stop pursuing the Lord. And he says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And if you're not seeking him, there's no reward. If you get complacent and you are, you've plateaued and you're not continuing to seek the Lord then you're probably not getting those rewards of that fresh revelation in the word. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. So he's got plans for us. And he knows what they are. The question is, do we? Psalms 119 says, Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And I just saw this this morning. That's two different things again. One is a light unto my feet, so I can place my foot and be firm about it. I'm not stepping on something crooked. I'm not stepping in a hole. I can see my feet. And the lamp shows me where I'm going. You see, the lamp looks out and looks forward, and you can see a little bit ahead of you. And the other thing that occurs to me about a lamp is it also lights a general area. He didn't say it's a spotlight unto my path. But I think it's a lamp unto my path so we can see, okay, there's a little bend in the road. Things are going to change. 
oh, I got to be careful. There's some, some thorns over there on this side. I got to be really careful as I walk through this next part of the path. I really need to pay attention to where I'm putting my feet. But how many of us, how many of us can confidently say that we're walking 100% of the time firmly with security on every step of that path? How many of us can really say that we can see that path unfolding in front of us and we can see things coming? And the truth of it is that we probably have seasons. We probably have seasons where we're like, oh, yeah, we're moving, right? And then we other, <laughs> I didn't know how to illustrate that, y'all. It's the best I could do. <clears throat> and then there's probably other seasons where we're like, where did that path go? I know it was here somewhere. But the trap in this is that if we're honest with ourselves, we've probably all fallen in the, uh, into the trap of having that pursuit only when it's convenient. Right? We've grown accustomed to sitting in our comfy chair, right? Having the remote control. And nowadays we just have voice control. Right? And we're on the verge of like having the robot in our home. Before long, we won't have to do anything, you know? And we'll be like, uh, I can't think of the one movie where they were all in space and they're all in the chairs and they're all like completely lost any tone or muscle in their body. And Wally? Was it Wally? I don't think we'll get there, honestly, for a number of reasons, but it's a good illustration. But that convenience and comfortableness is a problem because if we only pursue them when we make time, when we don't have other things, when we, we, don't, we can't find another excuse not to do it, and we're only doing it when it's convenient, then where, where are our priorities? Right? We've allowed everything else to interrupt that at some level. To put it another way, we've satisfied the flesh and sacrificed the soul. And, and we've become complacent to kind of meander along that path, kind of bumping edge to edge, not really progressing maybe as, as quickly and as steadily as we might. And what an injustice it is for the God who says, I know the plan I have for you. For us to go, we'll get to it. We're just, we'll take our time. Because he's, he's prepared it for us, and his word says he lights the way. So I feel like, I feel like those two scriptures right there are enough to say, hey, done my part, uh, let's go, right? I need you to come on. And I feel like, feel like in this moment, it's like trying to usher the kids out the door, you know? It's, it's like, oh, we got to go. <laughs> Sam's looking at me like, I so feel that. And I wonder what the Lord looks at his children like. If, if he's standing at the door going, come on, guys, let's go. Let's go get your stuff. I know, I know this show's almost over. You can come back, watch it, you know, record it now, watch it later. Come on, let's go, right? 
I know it's raining outside, but, but let's, let's go, right? I know it's a Tuesday night, you're a little tired, but, but let's go. And I wonder, I wonder how much the Lord is up there continuing to prod us and push us and, and pull on us, and we're like, eh, not tonight. And how much of that path are we not going to see? Because our days on earth are numbered. We know this. And I just want you to think for a minute, if you can only move along that path at a certain rate, you can only run so fast, every opportunity you miss extends that finish line or shortens how much of that path you're going to cover. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a piece of me that wants all that God has for me. And it's a challenge to manage everyday life, in this world, responsibilities, school and sports and, you know, all these other things and try to find that balance, you know, to, to say, Lord, I want, I want to give you it all, but, but you know, I don't, I don't want to lose my kids, right? I, I want to give you it all, but I don't want to lose my family, right? So, Lord, help me find that balance. Help me find what that, what that balance is and how to do that. And, it, and it's a challenge for us. And, and if we strictly pull out some scriptures... We could look at Jesus when he says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Right? And he completely, I don't want to say turns his back on, because he doesn't do that. But he does in that moment say that, that I know they're waiting for me. They can continue waiting. I'm doing the Lord's business right now. So in my notes here, I have, I have this illustration of... Um, you know, we think about the disciples and how they walked with the Lord. And, and we, can, we can look at ourselves and go, well, it's just, you know, he's not here, right? They were able to see him and talk to him, and things were so much clearer. And I would go, he spoke in parables, things weren't really that clear, right? But, but we, can, we can look at that, and that's another excuse, like, you know, I, I just don't feel it that way. I don't, I don't hear it from him like, like, like the pastor's saying I should be able to hear from him and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah work on that. I don't hear him as much as I want to either. But I strive to know more. I strive to be closer to him. I strive and I want to be with him. And you know what? Even though Jesus isn't walking around today, don't you know that we have the same opportunity through the Holy Spirit to walk every day in his presence, to walk every day with, with him at our side, no further away than a prayer from our mouth, And while we can't maybe see him with our eyes, some of you maybe can, bless you. Um, I used to pray for that too, and then, you know, I learned that they saw things that weren't necessarily, like, good and edifying and that kind of stuff too, and that's great. I don't want to see that. It's like, Lord, bless them. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay having different gifts. Bless you. Thank you, Lord. But we have the same opportunity to walk, literally walk every day with the Holy Spirit living inside of us with a fire and life inside of us to steer us and direct us, to take us into every conversation, every circumstance, and have the Lord right there with us every step of the way. But do we take the time to seek him out, to open our ears, to open our eyes, as the scriptures say, to open our heart, to really receive and be obedient to his presence?
Or do we sit back in our comfy chair and we're just okay with where we're at? We're okay on this walk day by day. I tend to think there is so much more. And that's why that word is so important to this house. I, I want to get up here and I want to show you, like open the, the scriptures and go, hey, did you ever see the shepherd had two things? Right? And everyone's image of a shepherd suddenly goes, boop. <laughs> right? I've got to reevaluate that. I've got to take that now and go, you know what? He has the staff of correction where he loves on his sheep and he directs his sheep and he guides his sheep. And he has this other club in his hand that he never uses on the sheep. So even though it might feel like it when he's directing us, he never uses it on the sheep. He uses it on the enemy and those things that come against the sheep. And he's ever watchful. So what can you do about this complacency and what can we do to, to, to stir our hearts up, to get away from the status quo and really pursue him? Let's turn to Philippians 3, and I'm in the, the Passion Translation here because I thought this did such an excellent job of pulling this out. I got one woohoo from over here. Philippians 3, verses 10 through 12. I'm going to read it, and then I want to go back. And this is Paul talking here. He says, and I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in death. Only then will I be able to experience the complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into the abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. Wow. Wow. I continually long to know. I have this burning desire in me to continually know the Lord. I want to, in every moment of every day of all my life, continue to know the Lord. I have this longing to not leave him out of any circumstance, any situation, any moment in my life. I want him to always be there. I don't want to forget that he's residing in me, but I want him to be right there, out front, in every circumstance. And I have seasons where that's true. And I, and I share the stories. Some of you that have been here a while have probably heard it. There was a time when I asked the Lord what socks to wear. I literally, I'd go, I'm like, okay, Lord, we've got all these great socks, you know, and I'm a kind of sock guy. I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm wearing today. Oh, I got my deer socks on. Um, but I, I like the fancy socks. Yes, I got on that trend. It's a thing, whatever. Um, don't judge me. Just love me. But there was a time when I went and I had this collection of, of all these different fantastic socks from neon polka dots to stripes to whatever, right? And I would get there and I'd go, okay, Lord, what is going to get me into a conversation today? What is going to be this thing where someone goes, hey, I like your socks. And I go, oh, yeah, cool. You like that? You know, and I can start a conversation, right? How am I going to trap someone to talk about Jesus is what I was thinking, right? And I, <laughs> it's true, it's true, it opens the door. And I would ask him, and I'm like, okay, Lord, all right, all right, just when I open my eyes, just one's going to stand out above the rest. Okay, um, let's try this again, Lord. All right, I'll come back in a few minutes, and we'll see. And you know what he did? 
I'm standing there, you know, and I'm asking him, and I'm sure he's up there kind of shaking his head like, socks, pick out socks, you know? Because I can imagine, like, if my kid asked me socks every day, I'd be a little aggravated. But, but you know what he told me? He says, you pick what you like. I'll bless. And so it freed up a little bit of my time, freed up a little bit of his time. I don't know if he did that selfishly or not, but whatever. But you know, the, when, we, when we are striving and longing for him to be in everything in our life, he's going to bless it. And he's going to show up, and he's going to be present. And I continually long to know the wonders. Have we lost the wonder? We lost sight of the fact that we serve an infinite God who does amazing things. Last week in pre-service prayer, I prayed this in the room gasp. I said, Lord, just let us have a normal service. And I had my eyes closed, but I heard later that, that, that you know, people were like, you know, like, what is he about to say, you know? Nor- no one wants normal, right? We want extraordinary. But you have to understand what I was praying for was the Lord's normal. You see, we get down here and our normal is so abnormal that we wouldn't recognize normal if it walked in the door. Again, we want to be comfortable. We want things to flow. And, and, and you know, first we're going to have this. Then we're going to have some worship songs. And we're going to sing a little bit. And then we'll have announcements. And then we'll do the word. And then we'll pray. And then we'll go home. I'm like, Lord, that's our normal. We want you to move in that best we can. Right? We want to open the door. But Lord, if you come in, do whatever you think is normal. And we serve a miracle, working, wonder, making, chain breaking, wall breaking, life restoring, life giving God. Anyway, through the prayer, people settled down a little bit, but I had them at first. But we have to keep that wonder. That, that's, that's part of the attraction of Jesus is part of the attraction of the Lord is that there is this great mystery that he has concealed through the ages. If if you look at the text, it says Jesus was a mystery. Even though you can look back and you can see the prophets heralded the one who would come. And yet even in his day, the Jews and the Pharisees and things that studied the scripture and knew them all and knew all the prophets and that kind of stuff and retained all this in memory, when he came, they still didn't recognize. What kind of mysteries is he unfolding today that we don't recognize? What kind of wonders and amazing things is he doing today and we just don't see it? I never want to lose sight that he is a wonder-making God. Long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience. Experience. This is not a cranial thing. This walk should not just be up here. The text should not just be up here. It should be in our hearts. It should transform the way we live our life. And we should expect that as we walk along that path, that we're going to get to this great vista at the edge of this cliff and be able to look out and see all these wondering, wonderful sights that the Lord has prepared for us. We ought to expect that we're going to, we're going to encounter people on our intersecting path who are going to encourage us and love us. We ought to expect that we're going to hear testimonies of how great he was, the miracles that he's worked, and how he's restored and redeemed people. We ought to have an expectation that that happens regularly.
the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. Working in me. You would talk about expectations. Do you have an expectation that that wonder-working power is in you? God uses people to transform lives of people. It's amazing. Because so many people that, that would stand up here would, would not on a Monday through uh, Saturday and Sunday up to 10 o'clock and after 2 o'clock would dare say that they are worthy of anything. But somehow when we get up here and the Lord trusts us to dig into his word and to pull out these things, that somehow that Holy Spirit manages to, to rise up in us. I'm talking to myself. Rise up in us and just make this thing come alive. There's no way I could do that on my own. If anyone knows me, y'all know that I'm, I'm pretty shy outside of here. I don't like being in crowds. I don't like parties and gatherings and that kind of stuff. I'm sorry if you're planning something, my bad. But it's not my jam. But, oh, you want to talk about the Lord? Oh, yeah, let's, I can get excited about that. I can be in a room full of people who want nothing more than the presence of the Lord to come in and wreck them. I love that. Love that. But it's not me. It's just when that spirit rises up in me. All right. End of verse 10. It says, I will be one with him. I am determined. I will be. How many of you are determined? How many of you can say that I will be? Amen. I will be. See, he's got a made-up mind here. We can see that in the text. It says, I will be. And I love that. He's got this determination. I will be with him in his sufferings and to become like him in death. I like the other thing about this, and this is something else that, that I heard this week, is, is that where's our focus? Are we a man with the Holy Spirit living in us? Are we a Holy Spirit in the tent of a man? Who's the dominant one? Who's the one in charge? That's, that's going to tell you how on, on, the, on, the, on the comfort to committed scale, right? It depends on who's in charge. Verse 11, only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him. And that ultimately is Paul's desire. And I love it. He is looking forward to the day that he crosses from this life into heaven where he can be joined in complete oneness with the Lord. Verse 12, he says, I admit I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion. I run with passion. How many of us today run with passion? How many of us today can put our comfort aside and say, you know, I can put aside the, the commitments to this and that. I need to spend time with the Lord. I am passionate about pursuing him. I will make it my priority. And I know I'm going to miss out on being at the game, and I know I'm going to miss out on this, but you know what? I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm going to take time out of my day from 9 p.m. to midnight when I got nothing else going on and I would rather be in my comfy clothes, sitting back in the recliner or laying in bed reading a book. I'm going to take that time out to go gather with my brothers and sisters in Christ and lift up the name of the Lord. And I run with passion into his abundance. And again, God is so good. 
just infinite. Just his abundance is overflowing. And why are we running with passion into his abundance? So, so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. Again, do you recognize that when, when you accepted Christ in your life and you, you entered into the kingdom of heaven and the deposit of the Holy Spirit was put on you, that Christ says, good, I've got another one. I've got work for you to do. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. Come on this way. So that word pursue is a verb. It, it means it takes action. It takes effort. It takes that cultivating of our life and our heart to free us of some of those things so that we can move. All right. Let me give you five things. So how are you going to protect yourself, protect your heart, push this complacency and this, this comfortableness and that kind of stuff? And how are you going to, to, to stir up this passion? I've got five things here. One, Determine in yourself to be discontent. And that doesn't mean you're going to be sad. But make up your mind that you're going to move towards Christ no matter the cost. No excuses. If you are determined to spend whatever, two hours a week with the Lord in prayer, in reading or whatever, and you make it your top priority, you'll get those two hours in. And I'm not even saying to put a number on it. I mean, that's probably the worst thing you can do is put a number on it. What you can do is say, Lord, I'm going to get in your word, and I'm going to pray until I hear your voice. Until I know that you've moved, until I've received that word from you, I'm just going to stay there and be committed. Because your word says, Lord, that when I seek you, you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So I'm going to seek you until I get that reward. And whether that takes two minutes or two hours, I'm going to be there. But you got to make up your mind that you're going to move towards Christ no matter the cost. And set it in your heart. Because what you have set in your heart and what you prioritize is what you'll take action against. Where are you at? Brian and Kim. They decided they're going to build a house. They decided that they have this dream that they want to fulfill about this glamorous place on this farm, out in the country, where they're going to sit on the recliners on the porch or whatever. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. But they decide they're going to build a house and make it a priority. And so I know that they've been working nights and weekends and spending a lot of extra time over there running wires. I don't know what else they're doing. I know, I know Brian ran the wires. I'm not, I don't know what else he did. But, but Kim has been managing Brian. I love y'all. I love y'all. <laughs> what did she say? Pray for him. <laughs> but they made that a priority. They decided now's the time. Let's pull the trigger. Let's go. It's going to be a priority. We're going to have to give up some time here and some time there, and we're not going to be able to support this and support that. And we're going to be tired, and it's going to take weekends, and it's going to get us out of our regular routine. But you know what? We're going to get it done. And the reward will come through the pursuit. And it's the same thing with the Lord. When we make up our mind that he's a priority, and we're going to pursue him and build a relationship with him. We're going to dive into his word and we're going to stay there until he rewards us. The reward comes. All right. 
So number one, determine yourself to be discontent. Because as you pursue these things, your flesh is going to fight you. You're going to come up against every excuse in the book. And I just named off some of them. I won't go through it again. But, but every pursuit in the book is going to come against you. You're going to wake up early and you'll be like, oh, I can't even, my eyes are not focused. I can't even read. I'll, I'll just lay back down. And you've got to have that made up mind that you're going to pursue him and seek him. All right. Number two, put away every non-Christian thing or unchristlike thing, no matter how little or trivial. So I was trying to think of an illustration, and I got a check in my spirit just now. Um, but I, I can't, I, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. But let me put it this way. Putting away all of that stuff that is not edifying to the Lord makes room for him to come in. Okay? And there, there's like a whole separate process you need to go through. We can talk about purification and if you think about gold, and if you all have watched Gold Rush or any of those things, you know that that purification comes under heat. And all, all the, the dirty stuff, when it gets so hot, is that, that that gold separates from the impurities. And those impurities can be taken off the top. And it's called dross. I don't know why I threw that in, because Becky said it once, I think. But that purification, getting those things out of us, takes effort. It takes time. It takes Heat, it takes uh, 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 an energy and a, and a commitment to stay in the crucible. Crucible's the bowl that holds the, the gold where it's melted. So the crucible can tolerate the heat, the gold will melt inside the crucible. We got to decide that we're going to stay in that crucible until those impurities get out. And a lot of us deal with, with impurities and things that have happened to us in the past, hurts, things people have said things people have done, circumstances we've had to walk through that hinder our walk. It hinders us from being fully committed. Because if you've been to church, you've been hurt by church, probably going back to church is a bit of a challenge. Because what what happens every time you come in the door, you're going to go, I'm afraid these people are going to be just like those people. And you've got to understand that that was different people at a different time. And you also got to recognize that, hey, I might have been a part of the problem. And you really need to check yourself. So put away every unchristian thing. Put away the obvious things. Put away the private things. If you think you can do something in private at home and the Lord's not seeing it, you might want to check what you think about the Lord. You might not have a real good grasp on just how good he is and how big he is. But put away the private things. You can fool me. You're not fooling him. Maybe just fooling yourself. Change the channel. Turn it off. Number three, focus on Christ continuously. Not just Sundays, not just during prayer time, but continuously. You ought to walk with him, talk with him every day, 24-7, 365. I ought to walk, even in the hard times, even in the hard times, 
He said he'll never leave us, never forsake us. Even when you're going through the hard times, even when you're walking through those rocky places, and you're like, Lord, what are we doing down here? I thought we were going to a green pasture and cool water. This is a desert with sharp stones. What are we doing? Well, he never said you wouldn't have to walk through a rough patch to get to a, a, a plentiful patch on the other side. But the key is not to lose faith in the shepherd. Because if he's leading and guiding you, and you happen to walk through a season where, where it's a desert season and there's sharp stones and things are tough, you've got to trust that he is going to lead you out. If he's not hitting you with his rod that is meant for the enemy, then he is directing you with his staff. All right. Focus continuously on Christ. Number four, open your heart to fully receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this gets back to that word cultivate. We've got to break up that hard ground in our hearts. We've got to get into the word. We've got to show kindness, love, all those fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. I go through them, but again, my memory is not a thing. But when we get to the point where we can forgive someone and and we don't have to talk about them and we don't have to gossip about them and we can just look at someone who comes against us and might offend us and go, you know what? I'm not going to receive that offense because I recognize they're hurting. Darryl used to say this all the time. He says, hurt people, hurt people. And when you can be that person that's receiving that and recognize that that hurt is coming from a place of hurt, you suddenly don't take on that offense. Because it's not a you problem, it's a them problem. But we've got to let that love and grace and patience and kindness just permeate our lives and soften our hearts to make room for the Holy Spirit. We've got to to receive the Holy Spirit. We've got to get familiar with the Holy Spirit. We've got to tune our spiritual eyes and ears to perceive what he's doing, what he's sharing, how he's guiding and moving us. And then we have to obey when he says to move. Number five, be hard on yourself, be easy on others. You should have high expectations for yourself and low expectations for others. You need to carry your cross. Your path in life may not be the same as everyone else's path. He may have you lay down things that other people can continue to carry in their lives. He may ask you to do things that he won't ask other people to do. Because you might have gifts in your, in your life, you might have talents in your life that other people don't have. And at some point, he's going to call on those gifts and call on those talents in a moment that is going to be transformative for you and for someone that you're interacting with. And there is a destiny and purpose in your life that no one else can fulfill. And the question is, are you going to be in the right place on that path? Are you going to be ready? You have to start preparing now. If you wait for that moment to come and you're unprepared, you're not going to be ready. You're going to miss your opportunity. So you've got to prepare now. You've got to prepare yourself now. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to hold yourself accountable to continually pursue him. And be kind to others you never know how heavy their cross is. You, you see people 
in here and everyone tries to put on the happy face. And, I, and I'm reminded of this YouTube video where there's this family that's coming to church, you know, and they're in the station wagon or whatever it is. And, and from the time they leave the house, right, to the time they get in the station wagon to the time that they're like in the parking lot, there's just this bickering going on back and forth, front seat, back seat, left, right. And they're just at each other all the time. And then, and then I think the, the dad or somebody goes, okay, well, we're here. Let's get out. And they all put on this mask. And they put on the smiley face, and everyone at church sees this smiling, happy family. We're all good. Things are great. And then it shows them coming out of church. They get back in the car. They take their mask off, and it's, they're back at it. No, it's not good. But we've got to be kind to others. We've got we to gotta extend grace and patience We've got to recognize that there's hurting people. We've got to be quick to listen, slow to speak. We've got to love people. All right, so stand with me. God is faithful, amen? When we honor him, I truly believe that when we honor him, like sincerely in our heart, when we really pursue him, when we really seek after him with our heart, God is absolutely faithful to reward that. And I think that comes in lots of different ways for lots of different people. Some people might see visions. They might see something coming. Other people get something out of the text that jumps out to them. Some people in the middle of a conversation will go, hey, I heard this thing the other day, and I think it'll bless you. But we've got to stir up that longing, like Paul said. We've got to have that longing to continuously pursue him. And in that pursuit, it takes action. We've got to, got to look at that path that he's laid before us and commit to stay on it. And we've got to commit to, to not only watch every step that we take and walk firmly and know that we're stepping on firm ground, a path that has been examined, a path that has been reviewed, and I'll say even a path that only fits our feet. And every once in a while, I think we need to lift our head and look ahead. Because that that same light that, that lights our feet and allows us to walk firmly with the Lord also lights the path ahead of us. And because he's faithful, as we pursue him, he will reward us. And I'm so excited this morning, and, and, and that passion has just boiled up in me this morning. Because I'm standing here, and I'm looking at all your faces. And I'm like, I wonder what they're going to come back and say. Not about what I've shared here this morning, but about what happens on your path later this afternoon, tomorrow, next week. Because even if you don't have an expectation about what's ahead of you, I do. 
Because I know the God who is extending the invitation. I know the God who is putting oil in the lamp. I know the God who wants nothing more than for you to run and jump into his arms. And I know that he has already looked at that path and he has great things along that path and that, and that it is going to be something that is just going to blow our minds. So if we take this scripture out of Philippians 3 and we turn it to ourselves, I think we can say this. It says, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. And let's make that the prayer and desire of our heart. And I long to be able to experience that complete oneness with him. I want to run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ laid hold of me. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.